everybody, it's Sue. Welcome to the Great Big Yes podcast. I am so glad that you're with us today. Um, I'm going to be talking to my friend today, Danette, and she has um, a great and important, very powerful story to tell about addiction and recovery. And I am so proud of her and so grateful to her for being willing to open up her life in this way and tell her story. And she's vulnerable and real. And um, this is very powerful. This is about um, alcohol and drug addiction, uh, mostly alcohol addiction. So um, yeah, share it, guys. Um, let's bring light into this dark space. There's many, many people that are suffering um, alone. And uh, we don't have to do that. Uh, we're meant to lift each other up and to help each other. And I pray and I know and I trust that this story um, and Danette's just availability and vulnerability will, um, will bless others and hopefully will help some people that may be at the beginning stages of trying to figure out um, how to heal. So here is Danette. Okay. All right. Hi, Danette. Hello. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing really great, really excited to be here, and um, just thankful that you've even asked me to share my story with you. Oh, Thank you. Well, I am so grateful for you and just for your courage to share your story and just for your willingness to be authentic and vulnerable and open, and I know that your story will bless um, tons of people. So. Um, for those listening today, um, I'm talking to my friend, Danette, and we're going to talk about recovery. Um, and I just would love for Danette to introduce herself and just kind of say, um, yeah, just go ahead and introduce yourself. She's a Texan, so I love that. So go ahead and uh, <laughs> go ahead and say hello to people and kind of um, tell a yeah. little bit of your story, if you would. Well, hello. Um, as you know, my name is Danette, and yes, I live in Texas. Um, wasn't born in Texas, actually born military um, in Japan, but I've lived in Texas all my life. Um, and uh, what do, you wait, know, a little I have, bit. I have to interrupt, Danette. What do they say? Um, some of us were born in Texas, and the others got here as fast as they could. That's, yes, yeah. <laughs> I think that about you because I love all your wearing your Texas hats and UT and all of this stuff that you're embracing in Austin. So yeah. um, it's so cute to see that because it really is true. This this place is is hard to uh, find um, in any city of Texas. But you know, I lived in Seattle for uh, three years, and it was like kind of being famous in a way. Oh, you're from Texas? Yeah, and it was just kind of fun for. Yes. Um, a, a hot minute, but um, anyway, uh, I now I lived in Seattle for a couple of years, like I mentioned, and I've been back from Seattle actually just about ten years, just over ten years back in Dallas. Um, originally from Fort Worth, which Dallas and Fort Worth are night and day. Mm -hmm. um, I love being raised from Fort Worth, but I also love being in Dallas, um, a city girl for sure. So, yes. um, yeah, so that's you're me a holy in regards. Yogi. You're a holy yogi. I am. I am a holy yogi. Yogi for um, just over six years now, and love uh, what holy yoga and the Lord have brought to me in this space of recovery and grace. And um, uh, I've been talking about it actually a lot lately, and 
And it's just so refreshing to find this place where I've landed and where I belong um, with a community of people that struggle in many areas. And mine happens to be um, alcohol, uh, drugs and alcohol in the past. But as of recent in my married um, motherhood life, it was alcohol specifically. So, yeah. Um, Can we get to like, can we kind of start at the beginning? Because, um, you know, I have in my life, I've loved a good party. I've loved um, (laughs) to go out and dance and drink and go to bars and go to parties and all of that. And so um, can we just kind of start there? Like when it was fun, like how you just kind of maybe were living your life and, and then maybe when you came to a point where you realized that it might be um, something you need to address. Yes. So, yeah, you know, um, in my, the way I was raised, it was very, uh, I'm going to use the word religious because it was religion. It was don't drink, don't cuss, no sex before marriage. You know, I was very Bible belt, very, um, condemning. If you did do any of those things, um, you're like a sinner going to hell. And, Um, that's the way I was raised, fine and good. I got out as soon as I could. When I turned 18 and graduated from high school, I moved out and, um, I wanted to do and experience those things. Um, so drinking became a little bit a part of my story. Um, when I was a teenager, I did partake in it, but everyone used to say, oh, Danette, you're the good girl of the group. And, Mm. um, you know, I don't really believe that had anything to do with where I ended up being, but, you know, it was, they were more in it than I was. It took me a little slower process to get to the place of obviously struggling with it. But, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, in my twenties, I I married early and met my first husband when I was 19 and, and 20, uh, I believe I was 21 when I got married. So, um, you know, in that life, it was, it was easy. It was good. It was, Um, you know, we would do tequila shots and he loved connoisseur of tequila and, Mm -hmm. you know, loved that or even scotch and, you know, wine. It was like the finer things of life that we were partaking in. And, um, you know, every once in a while we would go out and go out with our friends and go to dinner. And then where are we going dancing after dinner and drinking and, and, you know, not really overdoing it, but still cutting a rug, you know, having a a good time dancing and, and being with our friends. And, during the weekdays, you know, I, I had my own business <clears throat> and my um, ex-husband also had his own business. So coming home from work, I would cook dinner, have a glass of wine, finish dinner, have another glass of wine. I think Melrose Place was my favorite show oh, back then. So it was too. like that was always my Monday. And, yeah. you know, I had my, my schedule and that's how it was. It was just married life and work and two glasses of wine. I was asleep on the couch by 9 p.m. Right. And, um you know, that was in a way fun, but also kind of controlled. Not that I ever was trying to control it, but it was normal. That that would be yeah. a word to use, normal. Um, and then uh, divorce came. We were together for about seven years. And so I was 26. Um, in my life, my career happens to be going straight into owning my own business. I didn't go to college, um, but my school of hard knocks is what I call it by owning my own business and managing, you know, independent contractors and real estate uh, type world. And um, I say I lived my life backwards back then, because after I had the divorce happen, 
I kind of first time to be single as an adult, having some income and some financial means, I went kind of hog wild of being single and going out and happy hours and meeting people. And I was the social butterfly, always was a social butterfly, even married. But um, when I had that freedom, it, it was, it was more and it was fun and dating. And, um, you know, I had a couple of relationships uh, for a little while. Mm-hmm. And one relationship led me to um, not just drinking, but introducing me to cocaine. Uh-huh. And um, there was a group of uh, people which I still adore and love these people. But that was there was always something practically every night, something someone's birthday, something to celebrate or yeah. definitely on the weekends were all nighters. But, um, you know, the party would usually start on a Wednesday or Thursday night and go all the way through you know, Sunday. So the cocaine piece kind of took over for a little while. Um, I didn't um, end up staying with that guy. And that's when I moved to Seattle. Well, thinking I'd move to Seattle, I'd start fresh and I would, you know, get away from the drug scene. Seattle turned out to be kind of worse. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, in a way of it is kind of, a, a, it has its scene too. Like every city has its scene that is yeah. uh, around drugs and alcohol and the single life and clubs and DJs and dancing and all night, you know, parties. And yeah. at that point I was making six figures. I could afford to do whatever I wanted right. um, all on my own and not have to, you know, have it provided for me. I had my own contacts and uh, you know, it was a problem. It became a problem. Yeah. So um, when you were doing the cocaine, was everyone doing the cocaine or was this something that you kind of hid from people or you were out like, that's what your people did. That's what my people did. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So drinking um, and cocaine at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, and, and for those of you that might not have ever had cocaine, great. But the one thing that it does do is it, if you start to drink, Mm-hmm. And you feel that buzz and you feel drunk. You're like, oh, I got to quit. I got to quit drinking. Yeah. I'm drunk. Um, if you do a little cocaine, it kind of resets that and you feel sober again. Okay. And so you continue to drink, oh. which when someone says drink like a fish, mm-hmm. if you're on cocaine, you are drinking like a fish because you can. Cocaine helps you get back to a, a, a non-drunk feeling right. and it helps you feel controlled and so not only being high, but that highness makes you feel controlled and I can handle it. Right. And so, um, um what would the next morning be like? You well, know, tired, tired, <laughs> like were you hung over? Yeah. Were you able to function and yeah. go to work? Yeah, I did. I went to work, maybe not well. And that's uh, part of the story too, is I ended up losing my job in Seattle. Um, okay. and so, uh, it, it it took over because then there were many days where I did call in sick because I couldn't manage, um, used right. all my sick days and, um, you know, just muscled through each day, um, as I could in the office. So, um, it was not productive, let's say, right. Um, for the work day, okay. but it was kind of a six night a week deal for me when I was in Seattle because I was single. I was alone mm-hmm. and moved to a city I had never known. And, um, well, where I made friends and had a, a social group, 
everyone was always going out for happy hour. I was in sales, so going to happy hour with clients was kind of a part of the job. Well, and, and it still um, is for people. I mean, that is yeah, part of the job, totally. and that is very difficult, I think, to um, say, well, I'm not going to drink when you're expected to entertain people as part of your job. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And your clients are, you know, fine wine and and shots at the bar is something they're expecting you to pick up the tab on when yes. you take a client to dinner. So it 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 kind of is that unspoken um, pressure way of building relationships and client retention and things like that. So pressure, yeah, yeah. Okay, so then um, after Seattle, then you moved. What happened then? Mm-hmm. I moved back to Dallas. Um, I had a little bit of savings by the grace of God because I was making great money and single. I still spent it a lot, but um, I still had some savings in my pocket. So I packed up my car and whatever could fit in it, and I moved back to Texas. Um, I tried to stay in Seattle for a while and find a job there and not feel like a failure coming back home. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, home is home, and that doesn't mean you're a failure just because you come back to it. Right. Um, so I did. And, um, <laughs> kind of interesting because when I came back home, it was like, Danette's home. Let's party. <laughs> let's celebrate. Right. So it, I didn't get out of it by any means by coming back to Dallas. It was here waiting for me. Right. Um, now, I have a question so, during this time. Do you, were you, um, walking with the Lord? Like, did you know Jesus at this? I know you knew him as a child and everything, but were you right. walking with him or how was your spirituality at this point? Um, you know, I was, uh, again, the way I was raised and, you know, I'm such a heathen sinner for doing any of this stuff. It was a, a relationship that I prayed and prayed and prayed because I hated the fact that I was doing the things I knew were not good for me nor good period. Um, but I couldn't stop it. So there were many a nights when I couldn't sleep after a night of partying that I would just pray um, to my God to help me through. And, you know, I had that in the back of my head, my heart. I knew God was there. Um, and you know, Sue, I, I even say to this day, there's so many times where I should be dead, you know, like the situations I would have, I, I would go by myself everywhere because that's what kind of girl I am. I can handle this. I'm strong. I'll drive because I like to be in control and I'll meet you there. I always had my car. I always walked by myself to the bars or the clubs, even at two, three, four o'clock in the morning in the downtown streets of Seattle are not particularly safe. Right. But I did it because no one was going to mess with me kind of attitude. And, you know, it, it was a, a place of, you know, just coming home and, and knowing again that what I, the guilt, the shame took over. Did you have and a so, sense of um, God saved me again or God's keeping me yeah. safe? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, even looking back, absolutely. Yeah. So you get back to um, Dallas and your party Mm -hmm. friends are ready and waiting. And so you kind of just (laughs) jump back into that again? Okay. Yeah. I did. Um, I ended up, uh, I guess, probably a year after I had been back is when I met my now husband. um, And, uh, um, I guess moving back and and coming, I always was searching for someone that didn't party so that Mm -hmm. I could get myself out of it, you know, but, and so when I met him, you know, I kind of kept it on the down low of who I was and what I was. And if I ever needed any 
like we would go drink wine and if I ever felt like I was getting too drunk, I'd go in the bathroom and I'd do a little because I had had it on my own, but I wouldn't tell him. Right. And so I guess three months into, well, maybe a month into our relationship, actually, I shared with him my past and the struggle that I had. And, and he had said, oh my goodness, I used to do that um, back in the day. And, and so we related and that was kind of a relief because I'm like, okay, he's not judging me. He can relate. Right. Well, going out the next time we went out, um, he was like, let's get some, let's party. So then that led both of us to party together and be social. And he was at that time going through a divorce. So he was wanting to go out and be social. Um, and lucky for him, I was the social butterfly and knew everywhere and everybody where mm-hmm. to go. So that didn't last that long, but, um, it did, you know, it started, that's part of our story. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up getting pregnant um, pretty, uh, pretty soon after us being together. So um, that led me, uh, obviously, um, I did stop all the drinking and partying while I was pregnant. But six weeks after I had our baby girl, we were ready to go again. Right. And, um, uh, you know, we sh- to where, you know, it, it's funny that I we talk about this, but I talk about how, you know, I believe we had a conversation about our faith, and I know that I had shared with my husband that that I had faith, that I just wasn't, um, I was spiritual, not religious, you know, that yeah. statement. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it was kind of like, okay, so was he spiritual? But I didn't know he had never found Christ or, you know, the whole God versus finding Jesus type conversation, like that's where we were. And, and so we were continuing to party. um, And then um, there was one birthday, we had a big birthday party at our house. And um, he came to me two days later saying, you know, I can't do this anymore. It's either me or the party. And I was like, wait, what? What? Like you just, you were just providing everybody, um, they're the drugs over the weekend and, you know, our daughter wasn't even two yet. So, right. So shock. he, what made him come to that? Cause here he was kind of joining you and, and like you said, providing, and then all of a sudden, like what happened? So for him, it was, he owns his own business and, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, he is a little bit older in years than, than myself. So he was saying, I can't physically do this. And then I can't physically go and run a business yeah. when I'm out on Tuesday night till three o'clock in the morning with you. Right. You know, or what we would do with, we had with, with having a baby, we, the baby would be asleep and we would stay up and have conversations about all kinds of things, you know, together in our house, just the two of us. Like right. it wasn't like we were going out during weeknights. It was, you know, we would stay home and have wine and, and if we had any cocaine, we would do it. But if we didn't, we would just drink wine and, you know, stay up and feel hungover and not good. But I got to stay home with the baby and take naps when she napped and he wasn't. So he was um, at a place of, I can't do this physically right. anymore. Okay. And so when he said that, then, um, then was that when you decided, okay, I'm going to stop? Um, well, it, it, it made me think, okay, let's go to church because, um, we ended up, I knew that we had some background in going to churches, you know, his life and my life together. We, we had done before. And the way I was raised, it was church twice on Sunday and every Wednesday, three times a week. So it happened to be a Wednesday that he came home and, and had this conversation with me. So I had visited a church, um, 
twice uh, when my baby was a newborn, and um, I called that church and said, do you guys have services tonight? It was a Wednesday, and the lady said, no, we don't have church on Wednesdays, but we do have a couple's um, recovery program called, uh, not recovery, I'm sorry, a couple's counseling program called Reengage, um, and it's only for couples, no matter where your marriage might be, whether it's a one or whether wow. it's a ten, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, open for you to come. And so I called my husband and I said, will you go with me to this? Because I really had no idea what to do right. in that ultimatum, that, that conversation of me or the party. Like I didn't, I didn't want a divorce. Right. Nor did I want any of that. So um, we went and they, um, it's an open group. And then it takes, it, they had said it takes about a month plus to get into a closed group, which is where you then really do the nine month study with your closed group um, to really dive into it. Well, he agreed to do this. And the next week we were in a closed group because they happened to have one available for us to get into and then that following Sunday, we went to the Sunday service, and that was the day that he gave his life to Christ, and wow. I recommitted my life to Christ. Wow. That so, is so cool. I mean, even that you called on that day and they had that available, like that's mm-hmm. just such divine intervention, I believe. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I say to him, I go, I had no idea you weren't a believer. Like, yeah, I had no idea you didn't ha- hadn't given your life to Christ before, like I had, and I was just backsliding, you know. Right. Um. So that was his first time, and that was, uh, I guess, almost eight years ago, seven years ago, and so. Awesome. Um, so then, did you guys get sober then? You know, we did. Uh, it was more put on me. Um, so I held some resentment towards that, and I, I went through the program called Celebrate Recovery, um, and uh, I did it, but I did it white-knuckling um, is, is kind of sure. the term for it. I did it pissed off. I did it because I didn't want a divorce on my hands. You know, I did it for many reasons, but not the right ones. Right. Um, and uh, so I was a dry, sober person for two years, almost two years. Um, and I went through the whole, you know, I can't imagine never having a glass of wine again. What if we travel to Italy and, you know, it's kind of the fun thing yes. to do. And, you know, um, you know, what happened that made me come to him and have a conversation about drinking again was we went on vacation with another couple and their children and the wife was having wine. It was in Colorado. The weather was beautiful. It was in the summer sitting on the patio. Yeah. You know, and she was drinking. I was a royal, you know what, mm-hmm. that whole week on vacation with Ken because I just wanted to have the freedom to partake in a glass of wine every once in a while. Right. And so I was mean to everyone, you know, my friends, my dog. I mean, it just, it just come, one, it's jealousy because she can do it and I can't. Right. Um, and then two, uh, towards my husband because I'm just mad at you for giving me the ultimatum. And so... Coming home from that trip, that's the conversation I, I shared with him. And so he was like, all right, well, then let's try. Let's try to drink a little. Yeah, we haven't had any for almost two years. Let's just see what happens. And so our story, my story, is um, of going back and forth, of drinking, not drinking, drinking, not drinking, drinking, not drinking. Mm-hmm. And so for about four years, um, I would have um, wine, but it would get progressive. 
And since I, again, by the grace of God, the cocaine piece did not come back, um, but it was more drinking wine um, at home Mm -hmm. uh, by myself or, you know, with the little one, you know, um, at night cooking dinner and it would be a party of one. Right. Um, And so, and then we'd go out to dinners. If we would go out to dinners, most of the time I would keep it under control but heaven forbid, if we went out dancing, I would then be the one that was the fall down drunk because when you take away the drug, the cocaine drug, yeah. I didn't know how to control the alcohol anymore right. on my own. And so um, it, I became the embarrassment, I guess you could say to my husband. Unfortunately, that's kind of uh, hard to even say because it's yeah. embarrassing, but um, yeah. I was that girl. Mm-hmm. I was that girl. I was that fall down drunk. So. So then the next day when you're feeling hungover and stuff, are you feeling like the guilt and the shame and, and wanting to stop drinking again? Or are you trying, like, how are you kind of managing day to day? It is a vicious roller coaster and it's a ride. You just can't seem to get off. And I absolutely was just drowning in shame and sorrow and guilt and embarrassment now because I was doing things that embarrassed me um, and that I didn't remember. I was blacking out, you know, yeah. at these these times where I would overdo it. And um, absolutely. And then hearing it, hearing it from my husband of what I did or what I said or, you know, the next morning, it just it just became so heavy and so much. It wasn't just feeling hungover physically. Mm-hmm. It was that spiritual, you know, yes. that part of the spiritual side of feeling like a complete loser and no one's going to want to be my friend. And, um, again, I'm that girl that's hurting people Mm -hmm. through my words because I'm drunk, you know, or hurting my husband because I'm drunk and falling down. He has to pick me up and carry me to the car or three people have to carry me to the car because I'm dead weight. Right. You know, like that kind of knowledge of, you know, the visions that you have of that being you is, uh, it's a hard one to, wrap your head around. Yes. So during this time, did your husband have any, like, so he could drink and it would be fine. He wasn't falling into that scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then when did you go back or when did you feel like, was God telling you or how did you know, like, all right, I need to do this again. Like I need to get sober. I need to go into recovery. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was, probably four years of the on and off drinking, not drinking. I drank too much. Okay. I'll quit. And I would quit for 30 to 60 days, but then I'd go back to it. If something happened or something made me angry, if something like mainly with my husband or, you know, for me, it was loneliness, you know, like I was home alone a lot and I'm a stay at home mom that I do teach yoga, holy yoga. And I do have real estate, but they're all very flexible. So I work when the work is there and, and so it gave me that freedom and time to drink. And um, uh, I guess uh, it was this time last year that it really got bad. Um, I was back on a drinking binge and um, it was kind of just F you to the world and everyone in it. And I'm going to drink and no one's going to tell me what to do. Yeah. And um, that kind of attitude. And then it was the constant waking up. Oh, I picked you up from the living room and carried you to the bed last night or, Oh, um, you know, to be honest and fully known wetting the bed was a huge problem. Like I no longer had 
control of my body. Oh, yeah. I felt myself withering away. My soul, my physical body, like I could feel my organs just hurting the mm. next day. It wasn't just like the, the vomit or the nausea. It was just like, oh, I could feel yeah. what I was doing to myself. And there was a, a last straw event um, going to a hotel in San Antonio for my daughter's birthday celebrating her birthday for the weekend that's what she wanted to do and um, go to sea world and then this hotel that had the you know the lazy rivers and stuff like that mm -hmm. and so at night my husband would take her up to the room and I would stay down at the bar drinking and um, it didn't end well for me even though I woke up the next day and couldn't remember how I got back into the hotel room right. um, you know I thought everything was fine well uh, no um, security was called and there was some things that happened and it was kind of the last straw, the last weekend before I realized I've got to get something. I've got to let it go. I yeah. did not want to let go of the alcohol. I did not want to let go of the freedom or of someone telling me you can't drink. Right. No way was anyone going to tell me that. And I was stuck so much, even though I knew in mm. my soul that this was not good for me. And that it had gotten to a place of, I can't control this, even though you try to have two glasses of wine, that never happens. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, that drive back home was just a, a car of silence, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I finally just threw my hands up and said, okay. You know, my husband that morning said, I'm sending you to treatment. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're not sending me anywhere. You can't do that. And I have that attitude, but that, that five-hour drive home was me and the Lord and finally just giving in and saying, okay. Yeah. Um, and so that next week, I started researching treatment centers and so shocked by the price of them. Mm -hmm. And then my daughter was finally at an age where he could you know, 30 days is a long time to be away for a mom. And, right. and what would that do? Like the enemy totally worked on me and that that's not possible. You know, you can't be gone for 30 days. Your daughter's in second grade, like she needs you. And, you know, your husband works all the time. How is this going to work? You know, like all of those, those thoughts and doubts. And, you know, I finally came to a place of, I need this. Yeah. I need to do this for me. Right. Yeah, that takes a lot of courage. I mean, the fear of man and what people will think and how can I do this? And and like you said, the enemy works overtime to make you doubt and fear and make you think it's impossible to get clean. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how did you find the courage? So you said you decided you needed this for you. Did you feel... Um, did you feel God asking you or did you just feel like was because see with the rebellion piece, I understand that feeling of nobody's going to tell me what to do. Like, mm -hmm. I understand that so like viscerally, like that's I've been there, you know, like, uh huh. Oh, OK, well, then you watch me go. Right. Like this is how mm -hmm. right. You know, and um, so I totally get that rebellion piece. And I think the hardest piece for all of us in life when Whenever, I mean, one of the biggest things we say yes to when we talk about God calling us into something is that personal transformation, becoming the best version of ourselves, the version of ourselves that God sees us as, right? And yeah. in order to get there, we have to have a really soft, humble heart. 
And that's hard when you're in rebellion and you're in addiction because it's hard anyway. (laughs) But when you know that humility and that surrender is going to ask you to do something really difficult. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the rebellion is the spiritual piece. The addiction yes. is the physical piece. And so yeah. the it, both of those at the same time, struggling against your heart of hearts desire to do well and live well. Yeah. You know, like that's where my heart was. Like I did hated the place that I had gotten to. I just hated myself. The self-esteem was so not there. Um, but uh, it, it was... A, a, so I, also, I am a big rebel, but I'm also very determined person. Mm-hmm. I guess it goes together. But when I got it into my mind and I got it finally, mm-hmm. just really got it, I was on it. You know, I was yeah. researching. I was going. Yeah. I was hell or high water. I was getting myself some help. Right. Awesome. Okay. So and, you, you found a recovery yeah. place where you went for 30 days. I actually was gone for 60 days. 60. <clears throat> wow. Recovery recovery was 30 days, and I did not plan to be gone for 60 days, but when you're in recovery and you're at the treatment center, you know, it's continued recovery that is key, um, obviously, for staying sober. And so your, your statistically, your um, chances of staying sober increase the longer that you are willing to stay at a yeah. treatment center. And so um, the counselors that I had um, encouraged me not to come back home immediately um, to Dallas to the place that I drank the most, which was my home. Like how many yeah. bottles, empty, empty bottles of wine, by the way, were hidden all over my house. Like that's triggering my addiction. And so there were steps to take to help me not come right back to the rat race. Mm-hmm. of, you know, carpool, school, taking care of the house, all of the chores, all the things that have to be done in my daily life that just gets me right back to, um, you know, wanting to have drinks. So right. I went to, uh, after after a 30-day intense treatment, I went to what's called sober living, um, a sober house, mm-hmm. and I was there for 30 days. So um, could you see your daughter during those 60 days? The first 30 days, I did not. Um, there was one time where uh, my husband was going to bring her down, but it just didn't work out. And I, and I believe that was just a blessing because I think that would have confused her possibly more because yeah. the treatment center is beautiful. You know, like yeah. it was in the hill country of Texas. And, and you know, the way we explained it to her is mommy needs to go to the hospital to get some help, which is true. It is a hospital, but right. it the, the place itself was was just nice. And so... Um, nice in that it's outdoorsy, it's woodsy and, you know, it wasn't, you know, a five-star hotel, but I'm just, right. you know, for her to see, well, mom, this doesn't look like a hospital. So anyway, she did get to see me in Austin when I was there and right. they came down and, and that was beautiful because I was able to take her for a day and I took her to where I lived, showed her my room and, you know, kind of just gave her some reassurance that mommy was okay. I actually took her to an AA meeting with me and so she got to see yeah, you know what mommy was um, was doing, and and now she knows when I say I need to go to a meeting, she knows that um, that's good. And, yeah. Well, that's uh, what I wanted to ask you too. You mentioned AA, so that's something that they used in the recovery center. Then you you kind of went through the program, the AA program. Yeah, 
Well, okay. the 12 steps, yep, um, yep uh, that was the base of this particular treatment center. And um, so you still go to meetings and you're still mm-hmm. working that. Okay. I just like to yes. mention that because I know there's different paths to sobriety for people, but that seems to be like the most common one, like the most well-known one. Um, yeah. So I just kind of wanted to mention that as well. I have a question for you during the time when you were drinking um at home in dallas was it i know you mentioned like with dinner having a glass of wine and all of that um is very kind of acceptable do you know what i mean i think um so many people do that right and and it depends too who you're around i mean sometimes heavy drinking is acceptable depending on kind of who you're hanging Mm -hmm. around um but did you drink during the day because you mentioned bottles were hidden around the house did you have to drink Mm -hmm. during the day um, so that's where it progressed to. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, because I wanted to hide it from my husband because yeah. the ultimatum and the, you know, although he would come home and see me totally drunk, um, and know it. Right. Um, <clears throat> I thought in my addiction, my addict mind that it would be okay if he just didn't see me physically lifting the wine glass. Yeah. I started to hide it. I was buying those little, um, and this is something I want to touch on too, but those little four pack wines, you yeah. know, and I would hide them through the house and I would go and chug one all at once. So it's like chugging a glass of wine and then no one saw me. My daughter didn't see me. My husband didn't see me. And then I'd go back to cooking dinner. Or I'd go whatever. So it became a place of where I just, I started hiding it and not having an open some days. Sometimes I would have the attitude of, I'm just going to have a bottle and here's the glass and deal with it. Right. Um, but uh, other days where I was trying to quote unquote do good, it would be hidden. And um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, in my mind, hidden, but anyway. Right. Okay. So you are sober. Praise God. And I'm so proud of you and excited for you that you are. And it's such a. Um, blessing. I want to hear how God has met you in this. Like, how do you feel like he's transforming you like through this process? Like, I don't know. I don't know if you ever felt this, but I, I wonder if you felt why me, like, why does this have to be like, why can other people drink and it's not a problem? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's the, that's the, the big question for anyone that has a struggle with yeah. anything, um, uh, wine or alcohol, especially because as you just mentioned a second ago, that it's acceptable. It's, it isn't illegal, you know, it, it's, um, right. you know, yeah, it's illegal to drive and do it, but it's not illegal to do it. You know, you're not going to get arrested for, you know, drinking and it's all over the place. It's hard to get away from. It isn't a hidden thing. It's on billboards. It's at restaurants. It's they in every TV show. Wine. Yeah. Everything. Like, I remember at one point that Hoda and Kathy Lee, when they were having their show and it was yeah. on at like 1030 in the morning and they were drinking wine and, or people will have like yoga events and they'll be drinking wine. Yes. Like you can't escape it. It's like, you cannot. Right. And what I was going to touch on too, Sue, is that it has become an epidemic for moms, yeah, for stay-at-home moms or just moms, because here it is accepted in that realm of, oh my gosh, the kids are driving me crazy. I've got to have some wine. You have some yes. wine, you have a play date, and it's not, would you like some water? It's, would you like some wine? And yes. it really doesn't matter what time of day it is. If it's a noon play date on a Saturday, cool, have some wine, and it's so acceptable. And then it's acceptable to get a little tipsy. 
And so there's a lot, when I was in treatment and my story being that I'm a stay at home mom and that I, I work and, and have that in my available to me, but I choose to stay at home and work is at the home. And so, you know, it, it was talked about, there's lots of mothers starting to kind of wake up and see, I have a problem. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's a, it's a, an epidemic for, for that population. So say that Um, happens, say someone decides or thinks in their mind or they get a little glimpse of, okay, I think this might be a problem. Um, you know, I love that you told your story that it was kind of back and forth because I think that's really real and Mm -hmm. honest and the way it goes, you know, and, Mm -hmm. but where, like, do you suggest someone just get up and go to an AA meeting or do they go to recovery? Like, you know what I mean? I just, I don't know where people would even start. Where else I was before I went to treatment was I was scared of AA. Um, I didn't want to go to AA. I didn't want to even call myself an alcoholic. Yeah. Like those were, those were huge, huge blocks for me. And in my mind, I thought of an AA meeting of, you know, a bunch of old people um, sitting around smoking cigarettes, hitting on all the women. (laughs) And that's where I was like, I don't drinking coffee and raspy voices. Here I am with a raspy voice. I always have had it, not because of my smoking. I've just always had a raspy voice in my life, but um, it got worse. But anyway, it was, it was a place of, I don't want to go to a, that's why I chose to go the church route and go to celebrate recovery. Celebrate recovery was great and good and it serves a great purpose, but I was the only alcoholic in my small group. So I still felt like an outsider because everyone else was struggling. What were they Hmm? struggling with? Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. So Celebrate Recovery um, is open to anyone that struggles with depression, struggles with an eating disorder, struggles with overspending, struggles with control, struggles with anxiety. So we all have those struggles. Right. And that's all fair and good. Those are real. But for me, I was the only one that struggled with alcohol. And so for people that don't struggle with alcohol and can have two glasses and what we call normal people, they don't understand me. They don't right. understand that I can have a bottle of wine and that's just me getting started. You know, like yeah. they, they, they're like, whoa, I'd be, I couldn't even finish a bottle of wine. And I look at them like, that's easy. Right. So, um, you know, AA to me, I was not um, wanting to go there, but going to treatment, I learned a lot about AA. One, being in treatment, being around the same people with the same um, addiction piece, like it is a brain disease. It is a disease of our mind that is struggle. Yes. The, um, cravings of addiction, those are short lived because cravings can be, you know, changed and, and move out of your system, but it's the mental obsession yeah. that stays forever. And I have that mental obsession, not just with alcohol, but just with anything that I could put into that box of addiction, I could become addicted to it pretty easily. So it's a, it's a, it's something I will be working on all my life, the rest of my life. So it's but, a daily struggle for you still? Um, you know, it, it might not be a struggle about having a glass of wine, but it's a struggle about something of, yeah. of, of obsessive thoughts or, um, yeah, it, it it is. So what do you do when you feel that? Like, where do you go 
to, I know you're really into, and then we can talk totally about the faith piece as well, but I know that you're really into like working out. I know you love yoga, but you also are doing some other stuff. And I love that just to give people tools and ideas too. For, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's again, where I learned in treatment, like going to treatment was the best thing I ever could have done for myself. Um, in more ways than one. Yes. It helped me get start the not drinking piece because it was such a habit like my body had to have the alcohol the sugar the the you know they say when you get that far into alcoholism you should not stop cold turkey because it could cause health problems like seizures or your body goes into shock for not having it so the week before I went into treatment I still drank I had I, I had learned that I needed to, and I was advised from treatment centers to not stop cold turkey till I got to a medical professional where they could help me. Yeah. So, what do you do when um, okay. you feel like you're kind of falling into drink. that trap yeah. again? Yeah. So, when you say I'm into the working out and all of that, I didn't use. I mean, I have always worked out since I was a teenager. But in your addiction and in your drinking, I would much rather have a glass of wine at five o'clock than go to the gym. Yeah. So that was the place that I was at, where I was neglecting my body um, in the healthy realm and feeding it unhealthy things. But I also hated myself for that. Like I've gained weight. I was the heaviest I've ever been. Um, I was not confident. And so it was kind of like a, oh, well, forget it. Just have some wine and, and you won't feel that way anymore. Right. But going to treatment also helped me get back on track in that way of who I am and what I enjoy. And I do enjoy being healthy and eating healthy and exercising. And so they encourage you to go find your new habits because the old habit wasn't serving you well. Yeah. So you have to go and and be active and be moving. We can't just sit in a house all day because that's going to lead us to unhealthy thinking, unhealthy actions and unhealthy, you know, um, ways of living. So me finding new ways to exercise. Yes. Holy yoga is a near and dear to my heart, but I've gone out to find other things that are also, um, exciting and new Yeah, and creating a new habit. So that's part of, part of the, what you learn in treatment is how to recreate your life. Yeah. I think a lot of people in treatment end up um, seeking out yoga because of the meditative piece and kind of learning how to be aware of your thoughts and, and kind of breathing through them and not reacting immediately and things like that. I think yoga can be super helpful for um, recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, it yeah. is. And then that is also now that I have been in AA and, and I've read, you know, we had the meetings more than once a day when I was in treatment and just reading the book, the big book. Yeah, it is very spiritual. It talks about a God of your understanding. It totally leads you to the path of your your God. And some people come in complete atheists and, you know, find their God in the rooms of AA and their God because God does what God does and the spirit does what the spirit does. He's in those rooms. He speaks through other people. And that's what I've learned. And it's a place that I go in, I walk into that room and I can take a deep breath because I feel normal again by being around people that are like me. And it is refreshing. It is, it feeds your soul. It feeds my soul. And I, I, 
getting back into my normal life. I don't get to go to the meetings as much. Like some people do go every day and that's great. My life doesn't always provide that. So when I do get to go, it is just such a, a 60 minutes of fresh air for me yeah. in a way. Oh, I love that. Do you know who Rob Bell is? He does like a podcast and he's a pastor. Anyway, he's a writer. He said he mm-hmm. was pastoring a church and he said that when he first started, he was upstairs at the church and everybody was, um, you know, dressed up and kind of behaving. And then he went downstairs and there was an AA meeting and he realized that that was where the real church was happening. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Isn't that awesome? Because that's I where mean, authenticity is going on. That's where people's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. masks are off. It's like, hey, listen, you know what? I can just come here yeah. as myself and I'm vulnerable and I need God. And that's... I'm all jacked up and you love me anyway. Yes. You, you know how it feels. Yes. Yeah, amen. there's no pretenses. There's no, well, I'm better than you because I only did alcohol and I didn't do heroin. There's right. none of that. You know, it, right. it is. And that's what I've explained to my husband because although I love my church, I get more fed right now in my life. I am fed at 930 in the morning on Sundays in the AA room. Yes. And, you know, um, I do women's groups and, you know, we can talk freely and there is, there is no judgment. It's only relation relating to one another. And, um, not that my church can't provide that, but I just don't feel that right now at my church church. So, you know, who wrote um, about that so beautifully too is Brennan Manning. Um, he wrote so many beautiful books, but the ragamuffin gospel is one of my favorites. And he talks about AA cause he's an alcoholic and he passed away now, but when he talks about the meetings and he tells different things about the meetings and stuff, it's just so powerful the way that God works in those rooms. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we're grateful. So grateful for, for that. So Danette, we are, I could keep talking to you for hours, but, um, <laughs> we are actually, um, out of time, but I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you telling this story. Um, just for you to be so brave and, and willing to tell the story, because I know that it will speak to so many people who can relate on all kinds of different levels. And, um, it just offers hope, you know, it just offers hope. And and that's the thing as believers, you know, we, there's so much crap in life and so many things that we go through and that we struggle (laughs) with and right. And, but we don't grieve as people who have no hope. We don't give up. Right. So just hearing your story and, and knowing that, um, just there's light at the end of the tunnel and, um, there's hope and there's help and there's healing available, um, is really beautiful. You know, I just want to say uh, that, you know, I am coming up on a year of sobriety and, and that is so it would not have been possible if I didn't take a stand for myself and say, I don't want to give up. I don't want to die and go seek help for myself. And the people that rallied around me um, all in my life, Holy Yoga is a huge piece of that. And my family and my close friends, they really did rally. They didn't shun me. They didn't say, oh, dear, um, Danette, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, it, 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 they've rallied and there is hope because that's what people want for you. Yes. If you're struggling with something, they, they see it. You just don't yet. And when you are able to step back from it and take a look inside, you begin to see it. And I am, I am refreshed. Yes, I still struggle when I, you know, am around it or see it because sometimes it's a habit where I almost might reach for a glass and take a drink. 
just because that's the, the yeah. old habit of mine. Um, but I am so refreshed that I don't have to anymore. Like I feel normal now in yeah. a group setting. I feel like I can go have a conversation with someone that might be having a glass of wine or being in a group or a dinner table and have my own sparkle water and be fine with it. Yeah. And there is a place that you can get to the whole, I never will have a glass of wine thing again is, is there, but I'm perfectly content now with a sparkling water and waking up sober, waking up, not hungover, waking up early and being a happy individual for my daughter and my family and for me. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. I'm yeah. just so grateful for you, Danette. Can I just pray before we hang up? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Father God, thank you. Um, for uh, my beautiful friend, Danette, um, just that she would be willing to share her story so openly and just so, um, just so honestly, Lord, just that we could um, have conversations that aren't, um, you know, aren't fake and aren't surface and aren't just with our masks on, but Lord, that mm -hmm. we could just admit that we're not perfect, that we don't have it all together, that we're all jacked up and um, that we're all numbing out in one way or another, you yeah. know, and, and mm -hmm. even if it's a soft addiction, Lord, we have them. Yeah. And um, so there's no shame or fear um, in you, Lord. And so you show us who we are and then we we get to um, walk alongside of you as you heal us and you show us who yeah. you made us to be. And so, Lord, I just, um, gosh, I watched Annette with just awe and um it's an honor to be her friend and to walk alongside her in holy yoga and to see what you're going to do with her life, Lord, um, that you would love us enough to pursue us, that we would become yeah. healthy and whole um, so we could make your name famous. And then we could tell other people about the hope that we have and where it comes from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, Lord, I just ask for a blessing over Danette and her recovery and in her um, just family life, being a mom and a wife and just all the things she's got going on, Lord, that you would bless her. I ask a special blessing for anybody who's listening, who um, struggles, anybody who feels like maybe they need to take a step and they don't know where to go, Lord, that you would yeah. be with them and that they would not feel afraid, Lord, that they would know that there is light at the end of the tunnel, there is hope, that they're not alone, gosh, that that shame and guilt that yeah. they feel is not from you, Lord, that you can, um, they can lay that at the foot of the cross, Lord, that you... Um, you have them, that you will show them and lead them to people who also struggle with the same things so that they will have community. Yep. If they just say Absolutely. yes and they're willing to take that step, Lord, and trust and surrender to you. And so we ask for humble, soft hearts. We ask for um, just your blessing over anybody that's struggling. Um, and Lord, that's all of us. We all need you. So we yeah. love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, thanks, Jeanette. Love you. Love you too. Thank you. Yeah.